All right, girl. So let's go ahead and get started. So first thing I want to do is I want you to introduce yourself. So who is mm. Kayla? Who is Kayla? So Kayla is, um, so Kayla, this is hard. This is a really hard thing I'm trying to shift because a lot of us are, we, we own this, we do this, and that's not who we are. So I'm trying to get better of like, I'm Kayla Diamond. I currently own a business that blah, 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 you know, instead of like, I am my business, which we can get into later. But anyways, I know that's not that what you asked, but who is Kayla? <laughs> Shit. Maybe we, should start with, maybe we should start with Kayla Goyette. Oh my God. <laughs> maybe, maybe that would be a better place to start. That would be a really good place to start. Who's Kayla Goyette? Not a lot of people um, these days know who Kayla Goyette is. Um, yeah, I feel like that was so long ago too. That was just, uh, obviously that was 25 years of my life being Kayla Goyette. Um, so Kayla Goyette, uh, I would say was a little bit, um, reckless. <laughs> Kayla Goyette was, um, either reckless in her emotions, but, um, didn't know what she wanted. So she did like five different jobs at once. Um, could never quite land on exactly what it is that, uh, she wanted to do with her life. Um, was very much like, uh, even though I say like, I did this, this, and this, and this, I was very much going with the flow. I was very much molding into whoever I was around at the time. I was, uh, I always would say like, I'm a product of my environment, LOL. I can adapt really easy. But what that really meant was that like, I wasn't secure in who I was. So I was therefore meshing just whoever I was around. And so it became, um, as you and I know, like it became a very masculine um, kind of guard up wall up uh, individual that worked with a bunch of males that was like really all about the grind, um, even though I was so tired and so burnt out, but don't, I never did dare show it. Right. Um, so that's kind of who like Kayla Goyette eventually like became. And then um that was the, yeah, I would just mold it into whoever I, people wanted me to be essentially. I was very much like, who do you want me to be? I'll be whatever it is for you. I'll be anything for anybody else besides myself. Yeah. And I know that before we got on here, we were kind of briefly talking about where we are currently with things like our morning routines and, mm -hmm. and like how we've evolved over time, whenever it comes to very small, like niche daily categories like that. But you started bringing up whenever we were at the spot, which is mm. a private gym in Columbus, Ohio. Um, if no one else is familiar with it, which you probably are not. Um, but that's actually how <laughs> Kayla and I met each other because we worked mm. together for a few years and mm. we were there. What was this? What was this 2015 around? No, it was like 2014, 15, 16, 17, right? It was like kind of like three and a half years. Yeah. Around. I, I think, I think I left in 2016. Um, well, Adam and I got married. So I left in 2017 and like right before Adam and I got married. So, but I was there before you. So, yeah. So yeah, I, I think I was there for about four years. You there mm -hmm. for about four years as well. Mm -hmm. So what, what were we like back then? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were a bunch of fucks. <laughs> well, that hasn't changed, but we were, we were fucks <laughs> in like a much worse way, I guess. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. We, um, Oh God. It was okay. It was like one of the most stressful times of our lives, but honestly, looking back, like 
we had a pretty cool group of people around us. Like we learned so much. Um, we hung out so much. We went through a lot together as friends. Um, you know, with, uh, we went through a lot professionally together. We went through a lot personally together. And that's just like so special that like, I look back and me and Adam were actually talking about this and he was like, man, life was like kind of just simple back then. You just woke up at 5 a.m. You went and you trained people. You worked then 16 you had hours a, three, a day. <laughs> yeah, you had a three hour break in the middle of the day to work out five days a week and you just did it. Um, and you got strong and you got jacked and then you worked again until 8 p.m. And then you did it all over again. And then we would drink on the weekends. Like what a time, what a time. Um, but we are, we're very much like no one was individual. Like we were this spot. Like we weren't Bryce. We weren't Kayla. Like we were the spot, you know? Yeah. It, it was a really weird time. And I think that like, we, we were molded by our, our like collective struggles. Right. Yes. And, and I think that was, that was a really interesting thing because I, up to that point, like, I'll be honest, like I didn't really know like how to work hard. Um, mm. like for me, especially like academically, like I had always really just coasted by, like I, I mm. never put in a lot of effort in school. I didn't really like exert myself. I didn't apply myself. Like I didn't study. I didn't really know what like working hard was. Um, obviously like I'd had jobs before that, but like, again, just very low pressure. And then mm -hmm. I started interning at the spot and it was all of a sudden like, okay, well you have to be here at 5 30 AM and you're not leaving until, you know, 9 PM. And mm -hmm. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what is happening? And it was a wake up call, to be honest. And like, for me, and wait, did you intern there? I did not enter. Okay, there. so yeah, yeah, you came, you came straight on. But like, whenever I interned there, I, I think I was an intern, and I was unpaid for like nine months. Like, it was something crazy like that. And wow. a, lot of people, a lot of people now will like talk to me, especially because we've run our internship a bunch yeah. of times. And people will be like, is it paid? And I'm like, no, it's not paid, yeah, you know, the fuck out. And but like, but I, I get how that's a legitimate question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the same time I think about it and I'm like, whenever I was an intern, like I was just grateful to have something like I was like, I'm just glad to be here mm -hmm. and learning. And like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my life. So like I'm in a gym and I'm surrounded by things that I like doing. And yeah, it sucks. It's, it's hard work. But like, I don't know what else I'm supposed to be doing. Right. And <laughs> again, like we, we all collectively, like really, really struggled through that time because it's not like we were rich. Like we weren't, mm -hmm. we weren't making a hundred dollars an hour personal training. Like we were scraping pennies and we were working really long, hard hours. We were all fucking exhausted. Like there was no AC, <laughs> there was mm -hmm. no air conditioning. So working in the summers, like, dude, do you remember the thermometer that was inside the gym that yeah. conveniently got placed at like 10 feet on you that never reach it on the center beam so no one could see how hot it actually would get in there and it was like five degrees oh my yeah so like like I think that for me it taught me like how to work hard like it like it really just taught me like you know it's not always supposed to be easy but like you just kind of have to suck it up and get your shit done sometimes, you know, like mm -hmm. what did you really take away from our time? At the mm -hmm. spot? Like your time, not our time, your time. At the spot. You know who I wish was on this podcast with me is Cassie because it was hard being a female there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, hard. I, I, I could imagine that it would be very difficult 
Wait, did you work with Lily? I did not. She actually was on her way out when I came in. Oh man, I haven't talked to her in a long time, but I would love to talk to her. God, we, I think we need to have. I feel like we need to have a females at the spot. Can we have a round table. <laughs> oh my god, that uh, that might be really bad, but I mean, not bad for us. But <laughs> so, so so continue about Kayla's story. Um, so yeah, like, what do you take away? Yeah, so um, I learned so much. I learned a lot about um, what I wanted out of strength conditioning. I learned, um, honestly, it made me the coach that I am today, for sure. I definitely, hands down, um, you know, look at you and Kirk and, and Nick and even my husband and Cassie as like my friends, but also mentors still to this day. I still talk to all of them. And so, um, but as a female working in that very male dominated environment, it was very tough. It was very tough. Um, I, uh, without getting too like bogged down into like the details, you know, I did admin stuff for a while. And so I would work very closely with our business owner and it was very tough to, um, you know, kind of really find my own. I had to mold into whatever I was supposed to be. And working as a female at the, at the spot was very much like you sweep your emotions under the rug. You don't talk about anything that you saw. You don't think about it. You just move on with your day. And there was also the constant pressure of doing something right. And as females, like we are very much like, um, you, we can be like people pleasers. And so there was always the uh, anxiety in my in my chest about like, oh, are they going to see that I'm doing something wrong, especially like the owner, right? Um, it was honestly like kind of ran. I felt like out of fear at sometimes. Oh, a hundred percent. Uh huh. That's exactly like fear of doing better. something wrong. Fear of doing oh, something yeah. wrong. I remember Cassie like coming, like me and Cassie would cry all the time to each other about like how, um, you know, we were so like pressure to do everything a hundred percent perfectly. And if not, we were going to get blasted in front of everyone. We were going to get made feel like we weren't enough that, you know, we weren't meant to be here. And it was a lot of pressure. It was, it it was a lot of pressure for everyone at that time. And I think that like, I think it was a projection of pressure coming from the top down, to be honest. And like, Mm -hmm. again, we don't have to get into, into the weeds with, with all of that stuff, but like, you know, from the first day I was there, I mean, I was treated like shit, you know? And for me, it was one of those things as a, as a man, especially like as, as like a not, not intimidating man. Like, I feel like for me, like I'm a large human, like I'm not someone who was like normally made to feel lesser than or belittled. So like, for me, it's very easy to like brush that off. Like I didn't take it personally. Yeah. It it pissed me off. Like I wasn't enjoying like, you know, being talked down to a lot. And like, like I definitely did not like that. Um, but, but for me, it was a little bit easier to move on with my day, you know? But I definitely know, especially from talking to a lot of people after the fact, we're like, not everyone was like that. Like for me, I just didn't enjoy the fact that like I was made to do like a lot of bitch work for for very little compensation. You know, like that was my biggest thing. I was like, if if we're working, you know, 80 hour weeks, our paycheck should be more than than what they are like that type of thing. Right. right? Um, But then talking to other people after the fact, it was very different experience. Like for me, like I said, I, I was pretty good about not taking things emotion emotionally 
or or too personally, especially after I got a little bit closer with Nick because yeah, it was it was initially, and no one on this podcast will probably know who Nick is. Um, but but initially it was very contentious with Nick. And mm-hmm. I was like, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> and then after a while, I started to realize that, like, you know what? Like, he is under a lot of pressure, just like we all are. Mm-hmm. I started to be able to relate to Nick a lot more rather than like seeing him as this like enemy. So then mm-hmm. we all again were kind of collectively formed by like our struggle that we were going and like yeah. all the pressure that we were under. But like uh-huh. I again, I I would have hated to have been a woman in that. Moment. I remember um, you know, I, I did I was pretty successful in my figure comp prep at the time. Like you and I were training together. Yeah. Um, and I gained like weight really, really quickly. So so I remember um business owner telling me oh, he's like, you look so great. Like your leanness is going to help sell our second location. Said that to me. And I was like, oh, awesome. So when I gained, uh, when I rebound after my show, I literally thought I was going to be fired. Really? You never told me that. Yeah, I know. I was scared. I was like, oh my gosh, people are going to see me. Business owners going to see me. They're they're like, they're secretly judging me. Everyone's talking about me behind their back. And like, um, I'm not like, I'm not going to work here anymore. So I thought, yeah, See, like, so I was like, fuck it. I was like, fuck it. Yeah. And I, um, I don't know how like candidate you want to be on this podcast, but I was like, fuck it. And I started continuing to take PEDs and just get really fucking strong, even though like I had gained 30 pounds and I was like, I'm just going to get strong uh, out of, um, whatever expense it took. I'll just get strong because then at least I'll have something. Yeah, no, I think that candidness is like what I want. Right. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I don't really give a shit like who we talk about, what we talk about, like it's all honest anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're just making right. sure we have a lot of people who can verify everything that we're saying. But, yeah. but I, I think, I think that like the way that the way that the spot was run, it really informs a lot of like how I run my business now. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. A lot of what we endured then as employees makes me sensitive to the people that work for me now oh totally i would never change that experience uh, we learned so much yeah and like like for better or for worse and like for me Mm -hmm. i as a coach i wouldn't trade that for anything because like i learned and developed so much as a coach and like i would have never been able to pick any of that up with more schooling more certifications just like taking on more client like I needed that experience to become who I am now as a coach. And like, I I actually feel for people that aren't able to get that type of like immersive experience now, because it's right. definitely not, it's not the same because you almost have like, in a good way, an increased sensitivity to <laughs> working environments, right? Like, yes. like we had so much pressure. We had to do things the right, we had to learn, we had to figure it out. Otherwise, we were fucked. We would have been fired. Like someone would have yeah. replaced us. Someone that was like working harder for less money. <laughs> like, like we mm-hmm. we were replaceable as fuck back then, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was a weird position to be in. Where like you know you're replaceable. Mm-hmm. Like, did, mm-hmm. did you ever feel like? I'm sure that you did feel like that. But like, I so that. I feel like as a as a female, like we had really hard, like we had hardships, but we also had an edge. Because like, honestly, me and Cassie were really good. Yeah. And, and, you know, females came and came and went, honestly. Yeah. If you remember the interns, like they came and went, but like Cassie and I were like the OGs. 
And um, honestly, me and her felt really confident in our abilities. I would say more toward, you know, um, like the, the second year we were there, we were kind of like, okay, like we're, we're, you know, not taking any shit because we have seen females come and go and like, we know that we're the OGs. And so we got a, a lot more confidence in ourselves. I mean, yeah, my body composition was toward the end. And so I was very unconfident in that, but we, um, you know, we had the most clients retention, the most people coming to our small groups. And, um, we were, we were at the, we were like, you know, no, this is like, this is our, this is our shit now. Like, I don't know if you ever felt like this, but whenever I came in to the spot as an intern, like I, I was definitely not comfortable in front of like large groups. I wasn't like a very confident public speaker. I was like relatively comfortable in myself, but like putting me in front of a group, especially a group of like teenage girls that were like looking to me for direction. I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. By the, yeah. time, by the time I left, I felt like, like a fucking orchestrator. Like I felt like I could stand mm-hmm. in front of a group of 50 people, uh, like 50 adults that mm-hmm. were all very successful people in real life. And I could tell them what to do without even thinking about it. Like it was such second nature. And that confidence carried over with me a lot. Like Same. it was, it was such a strange thing because I was, I was very unconfident at the beginning and I literally had to learn like by being thrown into the fire. It was like, I either figured this out or I didn't, but like by the end of it, like you were talking about like small groups and like large groups and stuff like that. Like for me, I definitely was very good in that like small group environment with like, you know, five to six people where we just like, you know, go through the motions and like you develop really good relationships with everyone and like all of your clients. And Mm -hmm. like, that would have been something I would have never been comfortable enough to do without being literally forced to do it. And then realizing, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. But Mm -hmm. like, with you, obviously, now you have evolved, which we can definitely talk about a little bit. Mm -hmm. But like, Mm -hmm. where do you feel like some of those experiences have been able to like, contribute to your coaching, not necessarily your business ownership, but like your Mm. abilities? Mm. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is confidence in in your delivery of protocols. Um, you know, no one wants a coach who's like, well, I think we should do this and that. We had to make decisions like that. And we had to be very confident. We were 20-year-olds coaching 40-year-olds. Like, <laughs> rich, like let's rich be real. 40-year-old. Like, rich 40-year-olds. Yes. And, yes. Like, and, but that's, that's, that's one thing I tell like, like everyone that comes into us. Like I've had conversations with interns, mentees my assistant coaches, or I'm like, even if you don't know, or if you're second guessing yourself, you say it as confidently as you can, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're giving someone advice, if you're giving someone a protocol, if you're answering a question, don't answer their question with another question, like you can't inflect with that mm-hmm. uncertainty, you have to say it demonstratively, like this is what it is. Otherwise, people won't take you seriously. Like you, you especially for women, like for you, like, I know that that was a big thing. Like, as a woman talking to a man, you mm. you have to project confidence. Like there's no mm-hmm. way around it. For me, mm-hmm. I have a little bit of an easier time doing right. it. I'm working with a lot of women and there's just in a way like that natural kind of like power dynamic that presents itself there for, again, for better or for worse. It's not necessarily a good thing, but like, I know that this was a big thing with in-person training where it's like women coaching men. Like that mm. was, that was always like kind of interesting dynamic that happened there where like, whenever you had men that wanted to be coached by women, like mm-hmm. 
you knew that that woman was like a badass, like, like they Mm -hmm. knew their shit and they were just going to kind of direct the fuck out of whatever was happening there. And like you and Cassie were awesome at that shit. I felt really good coaching men. I did. I mean, also you got to think I did come from a background of athletic training. And so I'm, I was used to like male athletes. Um, you know, when you're a football athletic trainer and you have, you know, 90 guys, you know, you have to have that. So I've always kind of had that. Um, but it just gave me a little bit more confidence that like shit, like I I do know what I'm doing and I did feel really confident. Um, to be honest, it was a little bit harder for me to coach females because of that, I don't know, but two, both females and it's the balance of not being too hard and too like bitchy, I guess. And then like being too soft. So that is definitely more of a delicate thing with guys it's just like tell them what to do and they fucking do it so when i go to like train four housewives in upper arlington that was a little challenging for me at the beginning what you do you just relate to them and that that's the thing is like you just find something that you can relate to them with and be like and and show a little bit of empathy um like hey i get it i've been there i understand i you're valid and like your thoughts and i totally understand this but i'm going to challenge you just a little bit here and like having that like clout of saying like I get it. I hear you. I see you. But do you mind if I challenge you here? That really, really helps like break down other like women's walls. And like, yeah, like, because that's what I'm here for at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's been so helpful in my coaching and then just helping other coaches learn how to coach too. Is That's been really beneficial is having confidence and also like, you know, sitting on the same side of the table with them as opposed to like on the opposite side, like like leveling with them while still having that authority. I 100% agree with that. And like, what we do now is we do online coaching, which is, mm-hmm. a very, it's, a, it's a very different world than what we yeah. up in with in person coaching. But like, now you have evolved. So like, tell me, tell the listeners mm-hmm. about your business and about what you currently do. Yes, but I currently do. I like that. I like that, that reframe. Yes. Yeah, so I currently so evolve health and performance is, is just that it is, it is health and performance. Um, We are big on, um, so all of our clients are actually called athletes. We don't even use that language clients um, for our business. Everyone's an athlete. I had a very, I had a complex, honestly, after leaving the spot, I was entitled as fuck. Like I was like, I know what I fuck I'm doing. I, I helped coach Marcus Bailey, who's now on the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Like I fucking know what I'm doing. And um, I had the complex that I should be able to only coach athletes and all these athletes should come to me. And then I was making no money. And I was like, well, how do I do this? We had these conversations, didn't we? Like a long time ago. Oh God. Yeah. 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 And so I was like, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to make athletes out of people. And so that's kind of how Evolve came to be like that athletic culture is like, yeah, we, of course our big, our big niche is like former athletes, but, um, you know, statistically everybody was a former athlete at some point. So we, we can be more generalized and we just like use our athletic culture to, to instill this, this work ethic. But now, um, we have, um, transitioned to really actually helping other fitness coaches with their own health, uh, physique performance mindset, and just how to be a better coach. Like that has, I've always loved mentoring. I always loved, um, teaching and coaching others and, um, coaching other coaches is just like a huge level of impact. I've always wanted, like, I've always wanted relevancy in the space. Like that's been a craving for mine ever since when I interned with lead FDS. Remember that? Yeah. So part of that was, I just want to be relevant. I want to be relevant. I want people to, to know who Evolve is. And I just want some relevancy. So, um, 
coaching other coaches um, to, yeah, not only crush their own uh, goals, but also to help their clients as well, like is, it fulfills me on a whole other level. Yes. I love coaching our regular um, evolved athletes too, but our evolved coaches, like that is like an impact that is infinite. And so we help create high performing athletes and confident coaches at evolve. I like that. I like that a lot. Like this is actually not something I had written down to talk about, but because you brought it up with your internship at elite, it just made me Mm. think about whenever we were younger, whenever we were at the spot, whenever we were honestly, nobodies, (laughs) we were nobody. (laughs) Right. No, I know. (laughs) Like we were, we, we would go to these learn to trains and be invisible. And I don't know if you have felt this, but like in, in a non- vain way i've felt it at times but whenever you see people that you used to like look up to in the space and you realize that you're now further along than they are Mm. like have you had that that moment of realization yet to where you're like Mm. shit like i'm not invisible anymore like i i've done something here i think like yes but also too realizing that the people that i look up to like we're all just normal fucking people. Yes. Yeah. That's a big thing. That's the big thing that I realized is we're all like high achievers, but we're also just very chill people. Like mm-hmm. I got to know a lot of the elite FTS athletes really well, even coached with them. And I'm like, damn, like we are all just like normal ass people. I looked up to these athletes as celebrities, Yep. as celebrities. And um, it's cool though. I have, you know, pe- so, okay. The other day I was, out to eat um and somebody came up to me and asked me if I was Kayla Diamond <laughs> and it was, I, what's happening? I was also a little bit out of my mind but also um he was like you know your fitness page I started following it you got me into working out and I was like this is fucking happening I was like I so I sometimes feel like I don't feel it at all I feel like I'm just like doing my thing caught up in the daily grind but then when I take a step back and so I have to be made to take a step back. That's what I get from like men, uh, meditating, journaling, talking with others. It's like, holy shit. Like, like, have I done it? Like, am I doing it? Am I doing the thing that I thought that I couldn't do or that everybody else like was doing and I wasn't doing? And so, um, yeah, no, I, I have thought about that. And it was really fucking cool. Well, one thing that it it's it's difficult to like maintain perspective whenever you're always immersed in the daily grind of work. And like, Mm -hmm. you're Mm -hmm. never, you're never able to take a step back in the middle of your day and be like, you know what, like, I'm much further along now than I was three years ago. Like, this is pretty Mm -hmm. cool. It's just like, Mm -hmm. okay, what do I have to do today? What do I have to Mm -hmm. do this next week? What, what do we have to do this, this month? What are our goals? Like, it's always looking forward. It's never really looking backwards and be like, mm-hmm. you've done some sh- pretty cool shit. Like this is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. And like you mentioned, um, someone asked you if you were Kayla Diamond, you know, what was a really cool moment for me. This might've been, mm-hmm. might've been like a year or so ago. Ooh, tell me I was, I was traveling, I was traveling and I was in a different state. I want to say I might've been in like Florida or something. And I went to a gym to just to train. And I saw someone there wearing like, like P2 gear, like a P2 <sighs> shirt. And I started a conversation with them. They had no idea who I was, but, but they were wearing like a P2 shirt. And I was like, honestly, in a way that's way cooler than you knew who I was. And you were like wearing this shit. It's like, you have no clue who I am, but like, you know, who my company is or like what my company is, but you support us. 
Yeah. That's one thing I got from JL was like, he's like, I don't care if anybody knows who I am, which everyone does. Well, most people, he's like, I would want people to know what this thought is. And like, I can always carry that with me. I'm like, I don't like care about like as much as who Kayla Diamond is, but like if people know Evolve and like know us and it's cool. Cause like Ian, one of my coaches, he works at a gym in person and he wears these Evolve stuff a lot. And so people like are starting to like know that without really knowing me, which is really, really cool. I don't think I told you this. I was at, maybe I did tell you this. I was um, at the dog park up in Minnesota and I was wearing a PT shirt. And one of my friends was like, Hey, that looks familiar. <laughs> he was like, he was like, I know that company. I think my friend coaches with them. And I was like, I was like, yeah, like my friend Bryce owns this company. He was like, you know him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was like two years ago. And I was like, he's like, yeah, I know that company. He's like, you know the owner? Yeah. No, <laughs> shit like that is still weird to me. Like it's super weird. It's so weird. Like, it's so weird. Like I sometimes will like take a step back and be like, wait. I own a company. Like, what the fuck? Who allowed that? Who allowed me to be in charge of anything? Like, <laughs> actually, so like Lex, my girlfriend, and I were joking yeah. about this. Like, we act r- ridiculous, like in private. Like, we just we are complete idiots. I and bet. I bet. It's really nice, obviously, like at the end of a long day to just be like super silly and shit. And like one day we were just saying like the the dumbest shit to each other, just like children, basically. And I looked at her, I was like, Can you believe like I'm in charge of other people. Like, who the fuck thinks that's a good idea? Who allowed that? <laughs> but like, yeah, it's so true though. It's so true. Like, like for for both of us, obviously, like we're still young. Like, like we have a lot in in a short period of time, mm-hmm. and like in a weird way, like we have a good amount of authority in what mm-hmm. we're trying to do now. But like we're still learning. Like we still are trying to figure it out. And like, as much as we have slowly gotten closer to, I guess, like the, the right way to do things, like we've made a lot of fucking mistakes over the years too. And I'm sure like, if you had an opportunity to go back to the beginning, there's a lot of different things you would do differently, a different path that you would take. So like for you, like what are some of like the bigger mistakes that you feel like you could look back on in the growth of even just like your own personal growth as, as an entrepreneur and as a coach that you feel like you might have taken a different path. If you had an opportunity. Remember when we, you and I wanted to go into business together. I I do. I do. (laughs) That was funny. But no, I'm glad. I'm glad that, you know, that things have evolved this way. Um, because like, I just think it's just, it's just what's, what was meant to be, you know, um mistakes shit I think for me like I am someone who lets things go on way too long sweeps them under the rug and like I'll deal with them later and so things like um oh yeah I'll pay my coaches like a lot of money and I'll figure that out later and that's like not like the smartest business practice however I can't say it's a mistake because they like literally have like been in the trenches with me and like honestly grown this to with me so can't really say that so I wouldn't say that's like a mistake um I should have left my in-person training job a lot earlier than I did um because I was scared that's pretty common that's pretty common um and other mistakes oh my gosh that's a really good question because I don't really know if I like have made any mistakes honestly um not that I haven't made any mistakes but like it's hard because everything has worked out so well. 
And it, my husband is very like, how does everything work out for you? And I'm like, because I just fucking believe that it will. And that's the power of like being positive in manifestation. So um, I think I could have made a lot of mistakes. And I think that there could, there were some hires that I could have made that I'm glad that I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have that would have been like a mistake moment. But I am very much like uh, I'm very much a gut feeling girl. So if I have a gut feeling, I, I listen to it. And I'm pretty, pretty good at that. Um, I'm trying to think of anything. And I can't think of any of the top, like anything else really off my head. Not very juicy, I know. Well, you mentioned like Adam saying, how do things always end up working out for you? And mm-hmm. like, I'm a firm believer that not only can you make your own luck, mm-hmm. but you have to rely on luck. Like you have to get lucky to be successful. Mm-hmm. Like mm, I remember you tell me that. You have to be like, you have to be in the right place at the right mm-hmm. time to get to be successful, right? Like mm-hmm. if you think about this, like if we showed up 20 years ago, we'd be fucked because there was no online coaching 20 years ago. Like right. we'd be stuck like at a YMCA coaching, you know, 60 year old hip replacement client, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. like we'd, we'd be fucked. But now mm-hmm. we have the ability to not only do what we do online, but like expand what we're doing online and work with people across the world and like help other coaches do what they're doing and have a gigantic mm-hmm. impact. 20 years ago, we were confined to a five mile radius. And that's about right. as far as we can as we can touch. So like, mm-hmm. even just a matter of like, being in the right place at the right time, so that your skills can flourish, like, that's a huge matter of luck. And right. I think entrepreneurship, success, wealth, it's mainly a product of luck and putting yourself in the right place at the right time and being able to take advantage of that opportunity, whatever it presents itself to because yeah. we're too scared to take those those leaps of faith. I think like a big thing for me with luck is that um, Adam, you know, working in athletics and having to move so much. I'm like, I know a lot of people at a lot of different places Yeah. who, when I left the spot, I was asked by one of the clients for me to coach her online. I was like, what the fuck is online coaching? And this was 2017. And this is, and so online coaching was a thing. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know how to do that. And so I, I started coaching her and then I just like, was like, hmm, I can like, I could get down with this. And so I started you know, like really like me and Nick went into business together for like three yep. months, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, we, you know, we, we decided to like, you know, do different things, but um, yeah, like that was a luck thing. Cause if I wouldn't have gone to the spot and I don't know if you know how I got that job, by the way. At the spot. Yeah. I feel like I've heard- I did not intern. I feel like I've heard this story, but tell it. I was one of the only ones who didn't intern. Even fucking Adam had an intern. Yeah. So I um, was working at D1. Okay. Do you remember that? I remember that. Okay. So I was working at D1 and they were a bunch of assholes. And um, talk about being a woman, yeah. looking, working in strength conditioning, strength conditioning, <laughs> quote, air quotes, uh, at D1. Um <laughs> And I just remember them just like, anyways, I, I won't go down that rabbit hole. But anyways, I was at a conference and uh, me and Adam were at a conference. And I remember I was sitting in Matt Wenning's. I remember I was sitting in Matt Wenning's talk. I'm like, this is really boring. And I walked outside. <laughs> I walked outside and my eyes locked with JL. 
And I was like, it's now or never, Kayla. And I just walk up to him. And he's like, who is this chick? Like in fucking khakis and a polo. And I was like, hey, so my name is Kayla. Nice to meet you. I'm an athletic trainer right now, but I'm also a strength conditioning coach at D1. And I really don't want to be there. I was like, <laughs> I was like, can I like, I'd love to talk to you about like what the spot looks like and everything. And he started talking to me. As soon as I said I was a strength conditioning coach, his eyes lit up. He didn't give two fucks that I was an athletic trainer. He was like, okay, I'm cool. Um, and then when I, and his eyes lit up and then Nick and Matt come and I'm literally have never seen like, like there's JL and then there's Nick and Matt. And I'm like, they're strength coaches. Like there's so, there's so little, like, I was like, <laughs> I, and then I was like, okay. I was like, this guy has fucking gauges in his ear. I was like, what is this place? And, um, cause like, I just like, you know, seen only athletic side of things. Yeah. And so I remember, um, Nick was like, make sure you call this number on the card, like call that number, come on, come see us. Like I, we would love to have you. So I remember going into my interview. I don't know if you knew this story, but JL gets a Chipotle burrito while we're interviewing. He's sitting in these shorts that are like hiked up. I can see everything. And he's sitting there. And he's like fucking eating his burrito and it's falling in his lap. And I am sitting there like khakis in a polo. And he's like, tell me what I can do for Kayla Goya. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I I don't know what's happening. And um, I was like, <laughs> That's the most unsurprising story ever. <laughs> I just remember him eating this burrito and like, him having food in his mouth coming out. <laughs> oh my God. And um, I was hired like then and I didn't even have to intern. And so I, I do felt like I was like, um, I always kind of had to keep up that, I guess, appearance and that clout um, again, because I didn't intern. And so that was a lot of pressure, but anyways, I didn't know if you knew that story. But again, it was luck. Me walking out of Matt yeah. Lenning's presentation would have been so fucking boring. I wouldn't have walked out and locked eyes with this man and just went up to him. But the thing is that, like, I, I would say that's not luck because how many people would actually do that? Mm-hmm. How many? How many people would actually walk up to, especially JL, who's like mm-hmm. an intimidating person, mm-hmm. and just be like, "Hey, can you give me a job?" <laughs> Not many, <laughs> not many people would do that, right? Especially whenever you already have a job. Like it's so easy to just be like, I can stay where I'm at. Like maybe it'll get mm-hmm. better. Maybe I'll be happier. Like most people wouldn't do it. So like that's not luck. Like that's an opportunity. That's like seizing an opportunity. So like I think that's what really differentiates a lot of like people who eventually find success and create their own success. It's because mm-hmm. they're able to do that, and like they worry less about potential failures. And they worry more about like the the risk of a payoff with success. You know? Yeah, yeah. You can't be afraid to like put yourself out there and fail. Um, you know, too, because he could have been like, "No, we're good," and walk away. You know. Um, but I, um, I, I do kind of pride myself on being more like going and getting what I want, yeah. um, like what I think that I want and deserve. I've always been that way. Um, it's just about continuing to make the right decisions really. Yeah. And with entrepreneurship, like I I honestly hate that word because it sounds so pretentious. Like, like for me, it's like, Oh, look at my fiance. It's like, like, it just sounds Mm -hmm. like a very pretentious word. Like I'm an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so like for me, I'm like, I own a business. It is what it is. Right. It's not a big Mm -hmm. deal. Like, like I don't want to make this more than it has to be. right? Right. But like, but there are, real struggles that come with 
being a business owner, being mm, being someone yeah. who consistently puts themselves out there and takes a lot of risk for potentially mm. not a lot of reward or even validation, right? Like people don't don't pay attention to it. And in a lot of ways, like you you don't see all of the shit that goes on behind the scenes that makes that makes the front end product run smooth, right? And like the the user experience nice and complete and and sleek and easy like behind the scenes it is a lot of work and a lot of stress and a lot of struggle like for you what are the things that you really have struggled with with mm. owning a business and what are the things that you continue to try to refine as you become better at being a business mm. I think the biggest, most number one thing and not saying that he's not supportive, he always has been, but my relationship with my husband has been it's um very much like I work from home. Do I shut off work? I or I don't shut off. I work weekends, especially at the beginning. Um, and balancing that was really, really, really tough. And we still continue to work on it. It's not perfect. Um you know, and so there, that's a huge one is relationships. I isolated myself for two years. No friends didn't need them. Like, fuck it. I just had friends online. Right. Um, Adam was, was gone a lot with work. So I was like, I just would bury, I would literally bury my head into work and, um, relationships definitely suffered for sure. Family, family, um, you know, like, Oh, like, can you come hang out, you know, on a Tuesday? No, no, I can't Tuesday. <laughs> I'm working. Oh, but you work from home. That doesn't mean that I can just take off. Like yeah. a lot of my family thinks like, oh, that she just works from home. She can do whatever she wants. No. So, yeah. And so it's it's a it's a lot. And so I would see say that it's like balancing the the relationships is is has been for me the toughest struggle. And then also too, like, you know, you don't uh, the the people who are friends with you when you are doing something else. Uh, they tend to just go away or just become like a distant friend. Um, you, you, as I'm, I'm 31 for those of you who don't know. And so I have found, um, I would say the core spot people and then my friends that I have made in the last two or two, three years have been like my, my ongoing friends, the friends who I went to college with. Yeah. We're, I love them, but they don't get it. And not saying that like, I'm better than them and they should. They should, they just don't understand me. It's just like, they're so, I, I don't get what they do. So you, you, your relationships, relationships for me have been the biggest struggle. Um, and I continue to try to like work on them and I'm very conscious of them. Whereas before I was like, I don't really need friends. I'm good. Yeah. I see my, I, I mean, my husband, he works all the time anyway. So it's fine. Do you, and, uh, oh, go ahead. I mean, you know, we don't have, we don't have kids. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't have kids. And so do I even, do we even want kids? Like we don't, we don't really know, but we're 31. So it's like, I don't be 32 here in a few days. Can you believe that? Well, I mean, I'm going to be 30 <laughs> this year. How weird is that? Oh, fuck. I know. That's really weird. Cause I always looked at you as like the little baby. I, I, I mean, I was always the youngest one mm -hmm. at, at the spot. I think I was the youngest one at the spot, like literally until the day that I left. <laughs> I was, I, yeah. I started whenever I was 19. Like, yeah, you're a little baby, but, but no, I, I actually can relate to the relationships thing a lot, obviously, like, you know, me and my business, like ruined my, my previous relationship in a lot of ways, like not my business itself. Like it was a lot of like the decisions that I made clearly, but like, I would say a lot of the stress from, mm. from what I was doing was 
influencing and impacting my decision making in a very, very negative way. And it was clearly degrading my relationship because I was like, well, I can spend time with my wife or I can get my work done and continue to like, you know, show attention to my clients, which it's like, what do I do? How do I do this? Like, I, I have to pick one or the other. And like, I, I mm-hmm. did not at the time understand how to balance that. Like I had no balance whatsoever. And like, I, I want to actually kind of highlight for a second, you mentioned like your college friends, like you don't really talk mm-hmm. much anymore. And, you know, maybe mm-hmm. that's a product of what you're doing currently. I would also say it's probably just because you're such a different person now. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know if you have this experience, but for me, like I, I think back to like, even before COVID, like, I feel like for me, COVID is like almost a, a chapter in my life where it's like mm, after yeah. COVID is like a different Bryce than before COVID in a lot of I, ways. I see that in you. Yeah, I do. And mm-hmm. like, do you have a moment in your life that is very similar to that where it's like before that moment or before that time, it was like almost it seems like you're looking back on a different person. And then after that, it's like, that's me, you know? Yeah. I would say moving to Florida. Yeah. Getting out of the fucking Midwest, the Kentucky, the Ohio's, um, getting, coming down to Florida. And, um, that was a huge thing for me. That's when I started my first business mentorship. That's when I was like, I want to be outside. Like, I don't want to like be in a gym, like racing my life away. Um, and uh, my husband making a lot more money and, and uh, was was also obviously a big factor of it. Like he was able to support me as I quit. Right. And that's I was very, very fortunate with that. Still am. But yeah, I would say moving to Florida, getting out of the fucking Midwest. I can't believe you're in, you're still in Ohio. What are you oh, doing? Not, not for much longer. Don't worry. Like we're, <laughs> we're already we're already planning it. Like, honestly, I'd be gone if it wasn't for for COVID. Like mm-hmm. whenever, whenever COVID hit, I was already kind of planning on getting out of here. And then that mm-hmm. shut down all plans. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, with my divorce, like I had to take mm-hmm. on responsibilities with like the home that we owned, which obviously I'm sure. still here. So like that just kind of complicated a lot. But but yeah, don't worry. Like Lex and I are already trying to like, get the fuck out of this place. Yeah. But um, just going back to like the struggles of entrepreneurship. So like relationships, mm-hmm. they're they're challenging for sure. Definitely mm-hmm. challenging. Do you feel like your relationships with your employees and your other coaches and people that work for Evolve has that been something that has been difficult for you to maintain? Because like mm-hmm. for me, I struggle to find that balance between understanding that I'm working with people that are also my friends and like Mm. maintaining that sense of like kind of humanity, but also being like, Hey, we need to get all of this shit done. Let's get it done. This is a business. Like I want to have fun, but I also want to move things forward. Like, do you struggle with that? Or do you feel like you've been able to compartmentalize that pretty well by this point? That's a great question. Um, I love my staff so much. Um, I would say I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing that. Yeah. Um, one also too, is, is I've made, you know, Jen ops manager and like, she gets to come down on people. So like, I don't really have to, which is, yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't know Jen before we started, uh, before was started my client. <laughs> I know, I know. And so I didn't know her. So I did kind of have that like boss relationship with her right from the get go, even though of course we've become friends over time. Um, but she has even grown so much and evolved to where she's like, badass and is really good at holding me accountable so her and I are really good at holding each other accountable so we can like be friends but also like be serious and she takes what I say seriously I take what she said seriously so for me actually no I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing that because um 
I feel like I have kind of set that off on the right, on the right foot. I never really, I never hired anybody who was like my best friend. Now Cassie almost worked for me for a little bit. And I think that would have probably been tough. Like, cause she was such a close friend. Um, I know Chris, you and you and him are boys, but um, no, I feel like for me personally, it is pretty, it is pretty good with compartmentalizing that. Yeah. See, I really struggle. I really, mm. really struggle with it. Um, like even before I had, P2, like whenever I was just doing my own thing, kind of like trying to figure out what the fuck I wanted to do. Like mm-hmm. I, I had Alex, who was my ex-wife. She was helping me with like a lot of admin yep. stuff. Like, I remember that. And we even at a certain point were like, you know, can you be an assistant coach for me? Because I need help. Like I don't have enough time during my day to handle all of these mm-hmm. clients that want me to coach them. And that was a massive strain on our relationship. I was like, I'm never again going to bring on my partner into my business. Mm. I'll never do it. And then with Chris, like, yeah, Chris, I brought on and that's, it's ended up working out. It has mm-hmm. been turbulent at times for sure. Trying to balance that friendship with like the professional relationship. Mm-hmm. And obviously like we brought on Danny a long time ago and like, you know, mm-hmm. Danny was someone who I had a previous relationship with and like the business side of things ended up kind of straining that because you know, I can be, I can be hard on people for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really just because I have such high expectations, you know, and like mm-hmm. same thing with Kelly. Like I, we brought Kelly on as a coach. Kelly and I were very close friends before we brought her on. She absolutely killed it. She was a phenomenal coach for us. Like she was great, but I'd be lying if I said that like, you know, us bringing her on as a, as a coach didn't strain her and I's mm-hmm. personal relationship quite a bit. That was a challenge. And like, that's something that like, even now, like her and I are trying to like, reconcile a bit because like for me i i can be volatile like i can be super volatile as as a person and also as like a boss and a business owner and in a way like what was it yesterday that you texted me you asked me a question i was like ask chris like in a way like that's why i i can try now to like delegate a lot of these tasks and i'm even trying to like outsource like people management quite a bit so that i'm not that like that layer of of involvement that is oh, for sure. weak link. Like I know my own weaknesses. My I'm not a good people manager. I'm not. Mm-hmm. So like I need someone else to be that person for me. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think that is I think when you're at the point in your business that you are, you do need you need to step into like you're the leader and then you have managers underneath you and you're just managing the managers. And that's it. While they're managing like everyone else and like your job as a leader is to keep people's vision like on the same path. And like for you, like you do a really good job of like that leadership. And so totally okay that, you know, you want to have these like internal managers. I think that's amazing. Um, That's something that, you know, I'm moving to more in my company. I'm like, I am always quite literally like, how can I pay something to do? How can I pay somebody something that I don't want to do? Like, I'm very much like, I'm not a control freak. Like I like, I want things done a certain way. Yeah. But like, I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty reasonable with that. So I that's that's something i've also struggled with quite a bit is mm, you don't say is like yeah it's like it's like my manic need for control with everything mm-hmm. um it, but part of that i will say is is because my business has been built on a certain standard of quality like like everything about p2 has always been like quality the best mm-hmm. quality like the most communication the highest degree of, of detail like all of those things like we've always been about that so mm-hmm. like for me I refuse to compromise on any of that. Right. So like, I expect that from everybody, from all of our coaches, from everyone that works for us. Like, and if I see something that is not like hyper attentive to detail, so like 
this is going to sound fucked up. Like I actually fired someone who was like an assistant for us because she did not capitalize the subject line of an email, like a mass email. Wow. And like, I was obviously in a weird, <laughs> a weird place, but like, for me, it it was like that, that's a massive red flag. I was like, I can't recover from that. You know, like it sounds so stupid, but like, for me, that's what P2 is built off of, right? Well, you are you have all the risk. Like, you know, it's all it all comes down it, to you. You carry yes. all the risk in your business. Yep. And, you know, it's risk versus reward for business ownership, right? And like, I'm sure that you talked a lot of the, a lot about this to your coaches, but like the payoff for being a successful business owner could potentially be massive, right? You have mm-hmm. freedom, you have financial freedom, like time freedom, you're able to work from home, you're able to travel, you're able to live this life that you otherwise wouldn't be able to. But you also have the volatility. You have some months where you might not make any money. You have some time mm. whenever you're going to be working 100 hour weeks. You have some times whenever you won't be able to go to weddings of your best friend, you're going to miss mm. births of your of your friend's children. Like, it's challenging. Like, mm-hmm. how do you communicate those turbulent times to people that are wanting to be coaches, like new coaches Mm. who haven't been exposed to it yet, who have very like rose tinted glasses. They, they are only seeing the positive side of business ownership Mm -hmm. on social media. They don't yet know about the the impending struggles. This is actually one of my topics I put on here. And it was like, how do you know if you want to be a business owner or you just want to coach two completely different things. Mm -hmm. Because as a business owner, I don't have a very small amount of clients. Like I don't have, like I will eventually have a very, very small like group of clients that way I can stay a little bit relevant, but I'm not looking to take on huge rosters. Like I can't physically do that with what I got going on. Um, I think like the qualities it takes for to be a business owner is different than it takes to be an assistant coach. And I want to be careful when I say, I don't want to say just an assistant coach because honestly, assistant coaches are the backbone of your company. And it's a very, very, very important job. And it's okay to like say, you know, I don't want to own a business. I want to be a coach. There's two different things. I run into this all the time. The the thing that coaches, like really, really good coaches don't always make great business owners. Mm -hmm. And great business owners don't always make great coaches. And that's okay. Coming from strength conditioning, we have big ego and strength conditioning and personal training is that like, we should always be like the best coach and the best business owner and best this and best that it's okay to not be good at both. It's okay. I think somebody who is an amazing assistant coach, who can take on a roster of 80 to hundred clients, like doesn't need to be a business owner because they need to focus on their clients and take care of those clients. Business owner does not need to have, you know, you know, a huge roster as well, because then you, you're so immersed that you're not, you can't take a step back and actually look at how to run your company. So that is my personal opinion. Um, so when somebody wants to be a coach, honestly, when somebody comes to me and says, okay, I want to be a business owner, but I only have a few clients and I haven't been getting any clients all month and it's really stressing me out, but I don't want to work for anyone else. I'm like, fucking why? Why wouldn't you want to just show up and coach clients and get results? Like, fucking why do you want the stress, the risk, the, the lead generation, the marketing, why the fuck do you want all that? And if you're not getting it and I coach other business, I coach other fitness coaches to build their own business. I've been doing it for three years. I can quickly tell who's meant for it and who's not, honestly. Yeah. And I gotta be, I can't be like, well, you're not, you don't have the qualities. I, I can't really say that, right? Because 
you know, when I started as a business owner, like I didn't develop skills yet. Like I still needed skill development to really be a good business owner. So I get that time frame, but it drives me crazy when I'm talking to coaches and they're like, I haven't put in the work to do lead generation. I haven't put in the work to do marketing. I haven't like done this. I just like really like don't align with this. Like, you know, reaching out to people, just go be a coach on a roster where you can get leads. And all you gotta do is coach. And there's nothing wrong with that. Stop letting your fucking ego get in the way. Cause really, really, really good business owners need really, really good coaches right now. They do. And I have a lot of friends who need assistant coaches right now who can fill, who can fill them up and they're going to make more money and have more of an impact than working on their own. But we let our ego get in the way. I don't know if this is the answer to your question or not, but as far as like being a coach, like you have to be so fucking passionate about getting results and getting results and like working with people. And if you start to think to yourself, Oh, like, I just don't know why this person just can't get it. Or I don't know why they just can't do this. Or like, are they serious right now? Like, if you have those thoughts, like you're not meant to coach because coaching is an art and it's about saying the same shit every day without sounding like an asshole. <laughs> it is. It really is. It, it really is. Because like, guess what? Like people are getting older and you're going to have more of a pool of people to come from. And, you know, you, you, you're coaching a 25 year old who becomes 30, maybe doesn't need you anymore. Then you're going to be coaching another 25 year old who doesn't know what fucking protein is and who doesn't know like how to squat. And then you have to stay there over and over again. And if you don't love that, if you don't absolutely love that and teaching, then you don't need to be a fucking coach. You just don't. And you just be a business owner. But then like you have to then incorporate, like you have to learn how to be a business owner. Not you just can't walk into a business and be like, I'm going to own a business and have no help and no resources because then like you'll fail. Uh, yeah. Like for me, I think I got, I got lucky and doing it almost backwards. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like I, I was someone who was just like, I just want to fucking coach. I just want to yep. coach. Like I, I don't care about like the business side of things. I don't care mm -hmm. to learn about the business side of things. I don't care to like learn about marketing and sales and like Legion. I, I, I just want to show up and, and coach my clients. And all, I almost like stumbled into like business ownership. Like, I know. Kicking and I screaming, remember. right? Like, yeah, <laughs> like I didn't even want to do it. And then like one day I was just like, fuck it. I guess I'll give this a, a real shot. And then now look at us, right? Like I, I'm like semi-legitimate semi and who, who knows, right? But but no, that's something that like I actually firmly agree with you because if you're a business owner, you have to be well-rounded. You can't, mm -hmm. can't be narrowly focused if you're a business owner. You have to know what's going on at all times in your yep. industry in the the macro economy too like right now we're in, in a recession like it's pretty unrealistic mm -hmm. to expect that you're going to be having you know a uh, 100% conversion retention rate at like your highest ticket sales option mm -hmm. right like it's just not going to happen people don't have enough money so if you're wondering why you're making less money this year than you were last year it's pretty easy to look at what's going on you need to make a change like something mm -hmm. has to change so figure it out right and like, that's something that like, if you're a coach, you don't need to fucking worry about that. Like, you don't need to pay attention to those things. You just need to show up, coach your clients, make sure that they have the best experience possible and do it all over again the next day, right? Like, that's all you need to worry about. But being a coach is very low stress, very low stress. It's it singular is. focus, singular focus. And like, all you have to do is just build a, a great relationship with your clients, make sure that they're getting the results that they're wanting, make sure that you keep them healthy. And like, just don't fuck shit up. You know, like that's really all you have to do as a coach. If you're a business owner, you are responsible for a lot of things, a lot of things. 
And not everyone wants to or is ready to have that type of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And not everyone should. Like, that's the reality. Like, not everyone can be a business owner. There's not enough space for it. Some people have to be just coaches. So, like, I'm glad that you brought it up because I think maybe was it like 2021 where I really saw like a massive explosion of everyone being a coach, everyone being, well, maybe not even a coach. Everyone's a business owner, right? Like everyone is owning their own online coaching business, whether that's them as their own entity or whether they're trying to hire assistant coaches and all of this, everyone was trying to be their own company, their own business. And I was like, man, 90% of them are going to fail within the next couple of years. And it was nothing about them. It was just like, like something has to happen, right? Like there's not enough space for every single person who enjoys working out to own a business in this space. That's that's mm-hmm. not realistic, right? And then what, what you see is like, okay, well now people have much less money to spend on luxury items and luxury services like personal training. So like a lot of people are like, you know what, maybe I'll just go back to like my more secure job and worry about this some other time, right? And that's definitely what I've been seeing as well. And like with with business ownership comes the responsibilities of like, you know, the finances, the lead gen, the sales, all that stuff. And like, you're also responsible for other human beings too. You're responsible for their, Mm. you're responsible for their security. And whenever someone first starts to outsource, whether it's coaching, whether it's admin work, you bring people into your team. You don't think about, I'm now responsible for this human being. You think, okay, I need to scale. I'm stressed. I need help. But as soon as you bring someone on, you quickly realize like, holy fuck, they're looking to me for their income. <laughs> like I, I I am now responsible yeah. for this person. Like that was a big wake up call for me. Have you had that like, holy shit moment before where you're like, wow, I have a lot of pressure on me. Maybe it's best. I just don't think about it. <laughs> I've literally had that since 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, We just hired our 13th contractor yesterday nice so it's it's a lot I think a, a lot I've had to outsource and not really outsource I've had to delegate a lot more because I also work for NLCA which is an yeah. online like coaching business company so I mean I take I, I spend like a good like 10 hours a week like with them so like, I can't do like everything like in my business so like I do have to hire people to help me like close um Whereas, you know, if somebody was, if if somebody came to me and was making the revenue that we were making, I would say like, you could probably like, like hold on to a lot of those things yourself until you get to a point. But like, honestly, I just can't, like, I just have to outsource. And yeah, no, I feel that all the time. I feel that all the time. Like, yeah, I I think how do I deal with it? I just, I don't even know. I just uh, continue to just do, I I just try to think of like day by day. Yeah. Yeah as a business owner, you want to set your three month, your, I'm sorry, your, your three-year vision, your one-year vision. And for sure. But like, you can't be like, Oh my gosh, what about in July? If we don't get any clients, like you can't, you know, you can't think of that. I, I, I don't know if you saw the post that I made yesterday. Um, it's not a big deal if you didn't, I just randomly throw up like bullshit thoughts sometimes, but like, essentially I was talking about like scaling, like how, how to scale your business, when to scale your business, like if you should even do it. And like, I mentioned in there, I think that like, you should try to stay lean if you can, right? Like there's, Mm -hmm. there's this push for people to outsource as quickly as possible. And I don't think that's the best. I don't either. I don't. And I totally agree with you. 
And we ran into this problem a couple of years ago where I was like in this mode of like, we are going to hire for every, every fucking thing. Like if there's a task, there's a process that we can outsource, we're going to do it. And we're going to bring someone else on to handle that. And what ended up happening is we just, we stretched things so wide and so horizontally that it became really difficult to track and manage and account for everything that was going on because it was just in different hands. And mm-hmm. like, that in itself became a logistical nightmare for me. And I was like, okay, we can't continue to do this. We have to contract back in. So like now I'm in a, a, a space where I, I think that what's better for us is to stay as small as possible in terms of like number of people involved, the number of hands that are touching the pie and try and automate as much as we humanly can. That's what you tell me. Automate everything, make things one-to-many versus one-to-one because I mean, at the end of the day, like as much as we try and remove ourselves from the Mm -hmm. equation, like I can't remove my face from P2 just yet, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can't remove your face from a ball just yet. Even though we're not coaching the bulk of the clients, we still Mm -hmm. are front and center, you know? And Mm -hmm. like what what I'm trying to do now is like, I I realize to probably a a pretty severe extent because I've had some, some bad experiences in the past where like humans are fallible. And like, as much as you trust someone, as much as someone is very qualified, as much as they have the skills, the know-how, and you know, maybe in the past they've been an awesome employee for you, like eventually with time, shit just happens, right? Like people become less motivated, like they demand more money, like they mm-hmm. they want to do something else, they want to leave, like it like shit just happens. And for me, I'm becoming increasingly confident that like the majority of jobs can be done through automation. Like there, there are very few creative jobs of what we're trying to do that actually require like consistent human intervention. I think that like, you just have to be more creative and innovative about Mm -hmm. how you apply like automation to your processes. Mm -hmm. And it does require more effort than just like hire contractor, hire employee, hire this, hire that. You have to think more about it. But like, I'm in that mode for sure, where, you know, again, maybe it's my need for control, but like, Expanding your business wide comes with a lot of potential problems that I don't think a lot of people necessarily see before they start hiring as many people as they can, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I also will like play devil's advocate though to that. It's like, yeah, you could do that because you have a pretty good following and you have some clients yeah. who will refer the shit out of you. Yeah. I think that's another thing, which, you know, if you do a good job, you should get referrals anyway. So, um, so what, I, you know, what we do in NLCA, we take people who have 2K followers and get them to 100K months. Yeah. You know, because you don't need a following it for, for to grow your business. Now, of course, I do not believe in just hiring and hiring and hiring and hiring. That's like a one surefire way to be a negative, like in your business for sure. Um, but I do think like, you know, you have to look at what kind of business that you want and what the kind of business that you want is different from what we will probably have it evolved just because like, you know, you do have like a decent size following and you're paired with a, a other company who has a huge following. So that makes sense for you guys. Um, for me, uh, it, it doesn't. And honestly, I feel like my coaches are almost better at coaching than I am these days. So, well, part of it too, is like, we're so niched, like, yeah, we're, we are niched inside of a niche, right? Mm-hmm. So like that necessitates a different way of, of thinking and a different approach to like the, mm-hmm. the company than what you're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
even though we're both in the fitness space, we're both online coaches, like we're having to go about the growth of our companies in very yeah. different ways. And, mm-hmm. and like, even was it the other day, like we were having a conversation where like, you were surprised at how like low our price point was, remember? I was actually. And, yeah. and it, it's that way for a reason. I think I gave you like a, a very brief explanation as to why it is that sure. way. But like, it's just the differences in the business, you know, and like the models are, are pretty divergent, even though we're in the same broad category of like online fitness. Right. But, um, but moving beyond that, like, I think that we can kind of stay in the online fitness space because I do want to ask you just like you're immersed in it. Like you're immersed in it beyond even what I am because you're coaching other coaches. So mm-hmm. like, what do you feel like if someone were to come in and just have the solution from day one, to fitness, fitness and health, not even just talking about like online coaching, but fitness and health. If someone came in with a solution to a problem, what would you say would have like the greatest return for everyone involved, right? Like say someone came in, they're like, you know what? Like all of a sudden I can fix, you know, relationships with food. You're gonna, you're gonna track, you're gonna track your macros. You're gonna go on like, you know, this very restricted plan, but you're no longer gonna have any deleterious relationships with food. You're always going to be, you know, very positive. We're going to maintain your psychology. Like I have this, this fix it plan. I know what I'm doing. Right. Mm. For you, like what you see, what do you feel like is like the area of greatest need kind of in like the fitness space right now? Mm. That's a great question. We were kind of talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Um, And I just talk about like what I need. I've been training hard for what year is it? 2023. I've been training hard for like 11 to 12 years. I know like how to increase my performance. I know how to increase my strength. I know how to get lean. I know how to get shredded. What I don't know is how the fuck to live my life around all of these things. (laughs) Like I can, I, I can, I can drop weight. I can drop body fat. I can gain muscle. I can gain strength. That's not what I need. I need someone and I've I've invested in this to help me like con like live consciously and live consciously about like my day-to-day life, how how that looks like in my food, like how that looks like in what I put in my body, how it looks like on the products that I use, um, and how to just create a life that I'm like really obsessed with. Because just because someone's lean and shredded or has or has, you know, a thousand pound total or like for as a woman, like that doesn't make them obsessed with their life. Yeah. So how can I create mindfulness? How can I be like, how can I know that I'm perfect the way that I am, that I don't need to improve that I am like, that I am perfect and that I am enough. How do I know how to do those things, but also still like enjoy changing my body at the same time. That is what I feel I need. And that's what I've seen a lot of like our coaches that we work with, like what they need as well. And it's funny that you bring that up. That is eventually um, an ascension to our core coaching offer that we're going to be offering towards the end of this year is like how to actually do that. Because yeah, the strategy is one thing, but we're all very smart. And honestly, we can go look at T Nation. We can go look at bodybuilding.com. We can go look at Elite FTS and learn how to build a program. That's That's not the issue. The issue is, how can I create a life that is aligned with me that um, I'm obsessed with? And that's going to look like, how do I handle my relationships and myself, um, my mindfulness, my energy of like what I'm putting in my body, what I'm using day to day, how I'm going through life. Am I going through life unconsciously making unconscious decisions? Um, So yeah, I feel like that's what we need more of. 
Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, most people just want to like feel better, look better, stress less, be able to spend more quality time with their friends, their family, make more money. Like, like Mm -hmm. that's what people want more of. And for a lot of people, fitness is inhibiting that in a lot of ways, right? It's not added. They're dependent on it. They're codependent with fitness. Like fitness, as much as it can be a net positive, it can also be a huge net negative for a lot of people because it becomes a stressor. It becomes the dominant aspect of their life. It it overtakes everything. It consumes their relationships. It consumes their time. They don't think about anything other than their next meal, when they're going to the gym next. Like that's all they care about, right? Mm-hmm. And I see this a lot more with my clients that are like clients that are like my clients because they're obviously a little bit more more extreme and they have higher end goals. But like I definitely think that there's a massive space that is pretty unin uninhabited right now. Not too many people have been able to to like carve out that area where you're focused on getting people to that very sustainable spot where they can enjoy fitness, they can enjoy food, they can feel good, they can look good, and they can not worry about it. <laughs> like, it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be like a mental strain, like they can just live their life as a normal mm-hmm. human being, while understanding that fitness is additive, not a net stressor, you know, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. a difficult place for a lot of people to be. I feel like I'm finally getting there after same like fucking 15 years, you know, like it's, it's just now getting to the point where like, I can go to the gym, I can eat, I can, you know, have this in the back of my mind vaguely, but like, I also do a lot of other shit during my day that is not involved in fitness. And I, I, I like that. I like it now. Yeah. But, yeah. I think, um, uh, another thing that coaches need, like they need to learn how to be a good coach. Like there is another, like there's a lot of like strategy out there of how to be a good business owner and to run your own business, to grow your own business. What do you do with those clients? Like, how do you get them results? Like, how do you be a good coach? And like, that's another big gap that we want to bridge to is like, okay, you need to learn how to program and why you're doing what you're doing and not just throwing on sets and reps, three sets of 10, you know, like, what are we actually doing here? What's the purpose? Um, How can you, to show your your clients like the year-long plan for them. How do you develop a year-long plan? Um, and then teach them about nutrition and about like uh, more special cases um, that it's more so than just about like macros. Because at the end of the day, like you said, we're in a recession. People can go, go look up their macros for fucking free. Yep. You know? So how are you going to teach clients to really, really, like how are we going to teach uh, coaches to really like, be able to truly help somebody who isn't just like, who doesn't need just macros, needs more than that. We need to teach people how to be good coaches so they can retain their clients. That's huge. Yeah. You have to differentiate yourself. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big thing. And I'm sure that you talk about this a lot to your coaches that you work with is like, what separates you? Why would someone hire you over the other 10 options that they have that mm-hmm. are just like you? Like what mm-hmm. makes you different, you know? And it can't be, oh, my, I charge less. <laughs> like, it can't be that. Mm-hmm. You have to figure something else out, you know? And a lot of people really struggle with that. A lot of people. And this is something that, like, in the past, I've struggled with, right? It's like, what sure. What makes me different? Like, why Why would someone want to hire me over all the other options that they have that are, in a lot of ways, kind of similar to me, right? Like, you see it all the time. Um, but on that semi-related note, I, I am curious about your opinion on this next question. Where do you see the industry going in the next five years, 
10 mm-hmm. years and potentially 20 years. Like, where do you mm-hmm. feel like this is evolving? Because even in the last five years since I've been involved in this space, it's evolved a ton, right? Like it's it's moving quickly. And, you know, 20 years ago, this wasn't a thing. So like, where do you feel like the future of the industry is going in the next, you know, 5, 10, 20? What it's become is a lot more just like, black and white like not black like not black and white like it depends for every fucking answer yeah well sometimes it doesn't depend sometimes you need something very specific for you so like you know what i mean and so it's it's becoming like a very body positivity like self-love which is great but also still people like still want to change their bodies and i think like we're going to get to the point where it's okay to love yourself and it's okay to be mindful but also it's okay to like be fucking like you want to be fucking shredded and that's okay Right now, we were so focused on that, like, we we want to look like this and perform this way, and we have to get there no matter what. Now it's like, just love yourself and don't do anything. If you track your macros, you're evil, like, whatever. Yeah. And then it's going to become a better mix of the two. Um, but I think that's where we're headed because a lot more people are incorporating the mindset piece um, into their coaching because fucking life's heavy. Life's heavy. A lot's happened in the last three, four years. Um, and people don't know, don't know how to deal with it. And also people feel like they're going to be less than if they, if they like, especially men, it's really tough. I was actually talking with, um, like Mario about this, um, just kind of like how with like men, it's really hard to like, kind of, uh, be like lean into like your, your mind, your, your, your conscious mind and, and to lean into more of that kind of stuff. And, and so I think, um, there's a huge need for men, um, to, to understand how to incorporate that into their health and fitness. Women are becoming easier with that, right? Like, yep. you know, they're, they're just a lot more open-minded, but, but men, there's a big need there. Wouldn't you agree? A hundred percent. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I think that the the masculine side of things is still very closed off, you know, mm-hmm. and especially bodybuilding is it's run by hyper-masculinity and mm-hmm. it's, it's very toxic. And like the bodybuilding space, I, I feel like you've, hopefully been a little bit more sheltered from like all of the nonsense that goes on in the, in the bodybuilding side, but Mm -hmm. it's toxic as fuck. Like everything in, in bodybuilding is toxic from the, the competitors to the coaching, to the, the judging, like it's, it's all in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it's, it's toxic. And like, I, I like what you said where, you know, it started on like with macros, right? So like it was meal preps, and then, or not meal preps, it was meal plans. And then it was mm-hmm. like, like tracking your macros, if it fits your macros. And then now we're kind of like shifting back towards the middle. It's like, you know, maybe we should find some kind of gray area between this. Like maybe some structure is good, but also some freedom is good. Like let's continue mm-hmm. with that. Right. And then, you know, with, with training, I've seen this a lot too, where it's like, you see every set to failure, you see like high volume and it's like, okay, maybe we find a blend of that where like there is moderate to high volume, but also sometimes mm-hmm. there's failure. We understand like these things can be used in conjunction. I think that a lot of the fitness industry has seen extremes. It goes from like one end and it rebounds to the other whenever people really, right. and then it finds a settling point in the middle. And I feel like yeah. we're, we're just coming off of like that rebound extreme the second side. rebound. Exactly. And we're, we're yeah. moving towards, towards the center, but it's it's actually funny because I feel like in the future we're going to see much less in-person coaching and we're going to see much oh, I agree. of a migration towards online remote only coaching. And I feel like COVID sped that up 
because people oh, yeah. are much more comfortable with like the Pelotons and like the the remote like fitness the mirror, the tone yeah. mirror. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like people are getting more and more and more comfortable with that style of training. I feel like the in-person model of a personal training is going to slowly be phased out because people don't want to be only able to pick a personal trainer in a five mile radius and only able to go at, you know, 11 AM whenever they work a nine to five on, you know, during the week, like they want freedom. They want more accessibility. They want more autonomy to be able to choose when they train, how they train, where they train from Mm -hmm. and remote coaching offers that. And it also offers it at a lower price point. Like that's the Mm. thing in person coaching, as much as I think it is good for a lot of people, it will not be able to compete in the future. So like, we're going to have to see, or the in-person coaches are going to have to adapt to that. But I think that we're actually going to be able to to benefit a lot from that because there is going to be a massive migration of that clientele yeah. to online. I'm curious to see how like the the technology continues to evolve to where mm-hmm. we're able to accommodate like the demographic of clients who want like the attentiveness of in-person, but. Mm-hmm like the remote aspect of being able to train whenever they want to being able to train from home, potentially, you know, being able to work with the best coaches in the world, right? Like if I am willing to pay a thousand dollars an hour, I don't want to be limited by, you know, a a 20, 20 minute drive, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be able to work with the best coach in the world for a thousand dollars an hour. Right. And I'm not going to get the best coach in the world, most likely in Columbus, Ohio, even though that's maybe where I want to live. So, you know, a lot of these athletes, they'll hire their personal trainers to fly with them and travel with them. But like, you know, that might not be realistic, but I, I am thinking that the future will have something along the lines of like, you know, the best just kind of gravitate towards the top. And I think that like the best coaches and the best coaching companies, the best businesses are going to start to slowly form kind of a monopoly on, on online coaching. And I think it's also going to be a product of like the best resources, the best education, the best partnerships, like and community. I think the community yeah, is key. Yes. Yeah. Like people fucking they come for they come for training nutrition and they stay for the community. 100%. 100%. Yeah, and like I'm slowly starting to to really shift my beliefs towards that. I don't think that there are going to be 10,000 online coaching companies. I think there are going to be a few really big ones. And I think that those few really big coaching companies are going to essentially have subsidiaries of smaller local coaching branches or bubbles where like they're kind of taking directions, taking, you know, SOPs from, from the top down. And like, as much as that's kind of like, as much as that's kind of like a scary thing, I think it's going to be net positive for every single client. Every Mm -hmm. single client is going to benefit from something like that because the standard and the quality is going to be improved. If it is, because we're having, we're getting on phone calls with people who have been burnt, have been burned by like V shred. So, so this is the thing, right? It's like, I'm, I'm very, I actually had a conversation with Lauren Barry yesterday and we were talking about this and we were talking about how the, the downside of what we're currently doing is that it's unregulated. And that Mm -hmm. opens up a lot of like the fitness industry and coaching to people that are only in it to make a quick buck and they don't really care. They don't really care about the the results of of their clients. They just want to get in, make some money, get out, hopefully not go to jail, right? But like I I firmly believe that like over time we're slowly going to start migrating towards like a more like social regulation where like people that fuck people over get essentially blacklisted. They're out, they're done. 
And then again, like the best slowly rise to the top. But I know that you have a meeting here in a second. Um, I really appreciate you. I think that we should do this again because I think that we could probably talk a lot longer. We could talk all day. So let's do this again at some if point. You've listened, if you've, honestly, if you've listened this long, I'm wondering what you're doing with your life. <laughs> Maybe they're just doing 90 minutes of cardio. But before, oh, you, go, before you go, Kayla, plug yourself. Okay, so uh, you can find me at underscore Kayla Diamond, spelled like with actual uh, A-D-I-A-M-O-N-D. Um, we're Evolve Health and Performance. Uh, Evolve underscore HP is our Instagram. That's the, honestly the best place to reach us nowadays is Instagram. We have a website, but it's, it's what it, it is what it is. Uh, and we have a podcast called the Evolved Athlete Podcast. It's actually pretty dope. It's pretty dope. Um, we have interviews on there, but we also have some like we take research topics. We break them down very simply for you and your clients, which is pretty cool. Um, so that's on Spotify, the Evolved Athlete. And um, honestly, like we're... You know, this is the early 20, let's see, or 2023, early 2023. By the end of 2023, like, I really hope to be like one of the biggest resources for um, online fitness coaches, not only in their own health and physique, but to help them with their own client cases. We do a lot of um, education when it comes to nutrition and training for them as well, like on top of, you know, being a fitness client of ours. So that's one really cool thing that I do pride myself on. And too, like, you know, we, we train athletes. Like that's, that's who we, that's who we train. So, um, but that sounds like you and, um, you think Bryce is an asshole? Come work with us. <laughs> yeah. Don't hire me, please. God, I don't need any more people. Um, <laughs> Even though right. I just, I just hired Chris and I do love him. <laughs> no, Chris is all right. All right. I will let you go. Thank you again, Kayla. And again, we should do a part two at some point. Yes. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye girl. Bye.